If anything could be said of our culture, there's not, there's not very many things that would be much more true that we live in an impatient age, do we not? Uh, everything has gotten faster, everything has gotten more immediate, the delivery of content, the delivery of things is immediate, and it has changed us as a people to now where we expect everything right now, right now, exactly right, and we have no time, nor do we have the patience to deal with it if it's not how we expect it in the time frame that we expect it. Think about it. Um, traffic, right? Drive to, or, drive, to, drive to Tampa at about 5 o'clock. It's bad. Uh, shopping lines. Um, they're redoing Aldi. If, if anybody's a, an Aldi shopper, they're redoing Aldi. The lines have increased, haven't they? They usually only have like one register open now. And, and, and Aldi, I mean, they're, they're like ninjas. They're fast, right? They can, they can move through it. But you pull up and you're like, oh, there's going to be a line. Computers. Um, my, my laptop is older. It's, it's getting ready to... to I'm, I'm, I'm hanging on to it. It's still going. But there's times where it just gets slow. My wife cannot stand it. She has a fast new computer, and she makes fun of my computer all the time, right? I, I mean, do you remember the days of dial-up? Remember that? Trying to wait? Remember the, the, the original America Online? And I don't know if it was like this here, but in Kansas City, you know, in a, in a big city, there was like five numbers. And so you'd call, go through all the... And then it would say, server full. <laughs> and so you'd have to pick another number. And you'd go on for like 20, 30 minutes. And then just to pull a basic web page, like, it, it would take minutes. Do you remember this? Children have no idea what we had to deal with. <laughs> Here's one that'll get you. When, you. when you call someplace and they put you on hold, right? <laughs> Kenny G music makes me sick to my stomach. Just from, just from being on hold all the time and hearing it. And, and nothing's worse than, you are the 10th caller in line. I'm like, no! <laughs> you know, Amazon now has Prime, and, and you can get everything if you subscribe for, in two days, which we lived in the middle of nowhere in Nevada when that came out. We were beta testers for Prime. We've, we've always had it. It's, it's an amazing service. But in cities now, they are working on... Um, delivery that day through couriers that you deliver something in fact they're working on a program it's for real i thought it was a joke when i saw it but they're really working on for certain items that a drone could come and deliver it on your on your on your front steps immediate we as a culture have lost the idea of patience a study came out recently that said in 1990, the attention span of the average American was 45 seconds. 1990. In 2000, it was 12 seconds. In 2017, the average attention span of an American is 8 seconds. Now here's the kicker. I don't know how they measured this, but they said the average attention span of a goldfish is 9 seconds. So we now have less of an attention span than a goldfish. Being patient is difficult enough. In our society, in our culture, in our day of technology with instant gratification, 
it seems to get even more difficult. But there are things in life, there are things in the Christian faith in which we are called to be patient, to wait upon the Lord. There are things that only come in the still, small voice of God. And to be able to hear those things, to be able to endure those things, requires a faith that's patient. A faith that's patient. That's the topic of our text today. How, how James seems, wants to show us that genuine faith is a faith that is patient. A, pa- a faith that can endure current, hard, difficult trials and not give up and not move on and not move ahead, but can wait upon God because of the promises that He's given us. Do we have that kind of patience? That's what we're going to look at today. Look at, look at your text. You'll find it in James chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 7 through 11 for you. This is God's Word. It says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. For behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray this morning that as we look to your word, you would build in each of us a steadfastness in our faith. Father, that you would help us to endure whatever trial it is that we are currently going through. Some here are going through very, very difficult seasons. Lord, I pray that this would encourage them. Others have gone through these seasons and can see the fruit of patience, and yet others still have difficult trials on the horizon that we may not even know about at this point. Father, help us to deliver, to to develop patience in our life, that we may have a faith that will endure, a faith that will stand firm, a faith that can continue to grow even in adverse conditions, that we may become more like you. Open our ears now. Allow us to hear your word. Allow us to know the presence of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at this text, we need to to back up for a second. We need to remember the the audience to whom James is, is writing. If you remember the opening line of James says to the 12 tribes who are dispersed, Verse 2 talks about, count it all joy, brothers, when you face various trials. James is writing to a people who are undergoing a hard time. We, We assume from the context and the history and the date that these are the people of the church in Jerusalem who have been scattered out. They're under persecution. They're living under difficult circumstances and the pressure's on. And when the pressure's on, it often reveals what's inside, right? Our, our, our weakest point, right? The chain doesn't break until there's pressure applied. 
And so James writes in many different ways about the way that faith should work. Genuine, true faith, how it endures through pressure, how it endures through difficulty. We just read last week uh, a a very interesting passage here in James chapter 5 where James condemns the rich who are oppressing the righteous. It says that, 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 that possibly that they're even using the court system. They're not paying them when they come and they work their fields. They're, they're, some, of them have been, some of them have been murdered by the rich in the, in the system where they're living. And so they're undergoing lots of pressure. They're, they're undergoing very difficult times. And James writes now and says, during this difficult season, don't give up. Have patience. Know that God is at work even when you don't see it. Because He's promised and He's good and He's true. Friends, I, I would love to, to preach a, a happy little sermon about you know, having, having patience in the grocery line. Having patience. And, and we should develop that. But what James is pointing to here is much deeper. James is pointing to the fact that if you trust and you believe in the Gospel that Jesus Christ has saved you and that Jesus Christ is coming back and that one day He's going to make all the wrong things right again. That evil will be judged and it will be set in its place. That righteous will be exalted. God will be honored in this world. If you believe that and you trust that, then hold firm when you don't see it happening. Hold firm when you're faced with various trials. Hold firm when sin from relationships hurts you. Hold firm with your health declines. Hold firm whatever the trial might be because we trust in the Lord. That's the patience that James is talking about here. That we build that kind of patience. That we are not so spiritually distracted that the moment something of opposition comes to us, we go, why God? Who are you? Do you even love me? Now I'll be first to admit, that's been me. I've done it. I haven't given up and walked away from the faith, but I've been a whiny baby with no patience. How do we build patience in our life? Spiritual patience. A, a, a faith that's able to hold on to grip God no matter what comes our way. That's what James is talking about here. There's three ways that James talks about patience here that I, that I want us to see, that I, I want us to understand that frames the, what we're talking about. The first thing we see is the idea of, of patient anticipation anticipating that God will do something patiently. You don't see it yet. You don't know it yet. It doesn't look like that's happening. But can we anticipate and hold firm knowing that God will fulfill His promises? He gives two things here to to show us. The first is that we should be patiently anticipating the Lord's return. We should be patiently anticipating the Lord's return. Look at verse 7. It says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the late rains. In light of whatever trial we are facing, there is hope that one day the Lord will make it right. Amen? 
We don't talk about this much anymore. We don't talk about anticipating and waiting and hoping for the day of the Lord. But is it your hope? Do you, do you look forward to a day when God will make all things right, where every tear will be wrapped, wiped away, where righteousness will reign? I can't even imagine it. Because I, all I know is this broken world. My own brokenness, my own sinfulness. The Bible tells us no ear has heard, no eye has seen, no mind has even imagined the things that await for us when God makes it right. Is that your hope? Can you endure trouble today being faithful and anticipating what God will do in the future? That's, that's what he's writing here. Do we have that anticipation? Now, we, we, we've got to talk about this for a minute. What, this, this day of the Lord, the Lord's coming, what is it that we're waiting for? I don't want to get out graphs and charts and, and, and do that. I want to simply explain to you the most basic idea of this. We, we live in what, what theologians call the already but not yet. The already but not yet. In, in one sense, the kingdom of Christ has come. Christ has come. He has died. He has died for us. There is salvation. There is, there is regeneration. God is changing us. He's shaping us. The Spirit dwells within us. But it's not yet complete. What Christ did on the cross is complete, but one day we anticipate and we await that God will set it right. Final judgment for sin. Final The sin is erased. We are created in the image of God, in, in the likeness of Christ. Sin is taken from us. Our sinful nature is gone. New heavens, new earth. Heaven is not just about sitting in a cloud somewhere. It's, some people have the, the idea that's all that it is. God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to be like a new Eden all over again, but no sin. That's what we're waiting for. A day when, when, when there's no more cancer. Amen? A day when there's no more sin against us, no more opposition against us, no more temptation to depart from the Lord, no more temptation to sin. Goodness, purity, righteousness, the glory of God will reign. That's the not yet. That's what we look forward to. Does that fill your thoughts? Can you, can you, can you rejoice in that thought? Can that thought keep you going through this current trial? That's what James says. He says, he says to look forward to that. Look forward to the return of the Lord. He says, he says it's like a farmer. Look at the farmers. Okay? A farmer goes out and, and he, he gets his field ready. He prepares the ground. Why does he do this? Because he knows there's going to be a harvest one day, right? That's what all the work's about. Farming's hard work. Especially when you don't have machinery. I farmed for like one season in Tennessee. It was all rocks. I'm like, I will buy my groceries at the store. It's hard work. If you didn't think there was going to be a harvest, would you do the hard work? No, you'd give up. The farmer knows that the early seasons will come, the late seasons will come. Here's the interesting thing about the farmer. James says, consider the farmer. 
Consider that he knows a harvest is coming, so he keeps going. He doesn't give up. He endures through the, the hard times because he knows what's ahead. That farmer is busy the whole stinking time, isn't he? He doesn't just, he doesn't just sit there and say, okay, we're going to have a harvest. He works. Even between the rains, he's weeding. Okay, he's cultivating He's preparing maybe the next field for the next year. Friends, God has called us to a life to trust in Him, to look forward to what is coming. We will face opposition. We will face difficulty because the Lord has not fully returned yet. We still live in the not yet part. But it doesn't mean you sit back. You, the patience doesn't mean you do nothing. Patience means whatever God has called you to. Stay busy. Work hard. Some days you're going to wake up and say, is this worth it? This is difficult. Is it worth it to try to live righteously when I see all this unrighteousness and it seems like the sinners are doing better than I am when I'm trying to serve you, Lord? Keep working. Know that one day the Lord will return. Know that one day He will set all things right. There's this new phrase that's used in all kinds of ways. You want to be on the right side of history, right? Friends, we want to be on the right side of history. We want to follow and love the Lord and one day spend eternity with Him. So look at the farmer. Be, be patient. Expect, expect that the Lord will return. Allow that to encourage you to keep going. A- another thing that he says here that, that we should patiently anticipate is that we should patiently anticipate God's mercy and compassion. And he says this in verse 11. He says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purpose of the Lord, which is compassion, which is compassionate and merciful. Compassion, mercy, blessing. See all that there in verse 11? That's meant to be an encouragement to us. Why continue when it's difficult? Because we know the Lord's coming, but we don't fear that. For, for some people, that should be a fear. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're not willing to say that you believe in Christ alone for your salvation, that it's not because of what you do, but your trust fully in Him, then you should fear the day of the Lord. Because it comes with judgment. But for those of us who know Christ, for those of us who can say that we love Him, that we're His disciples, that we can pick up and bear our cross to follow Him, then we should look forward to the day of the Lord as a day of blessing, a day of compassion, a day of mercy. God has good in store for you. Would that keep you going? Right? I, I'm, I'm the worst at this. My wife gets on to me all the time because when she wants the kids to clean or do something around the house, she says, clean, do something around the house. When I want the kids to clean or do something around the house, I'm like, clean, and I'll take you somewhere. <laughs> Why? Because I, my motivation is like, if they know they're going to go somewhere, they're going to they're gonna do the hard work. Friends, if you're going through difficult trials, if it doesn't seem like it's worth it, Remember, we don't, we don't serve a God who wants to judge us if we know Christ. We don't serve a God that's, that's, that's looking to just smash us. That's looking to throw everything hard at us to get us down because He knows we won't succeed. 
We serve a God that blesses us. We serve a God that's compassionate. We serve a God that's merciful. And it will be amplified to a degree that we do not know when the end comes. That should encourage us to clean the room, right? To keep going, whatever it is, whatever your trial is, whatever the difficulty is, whatever this season is that you're going through, have come through, or will go through. Look forward and know God is good. Even in the midst of this, God is good and I will serve Him. I will be patient. Even though I don't see His hand right now. Even though it's not the way that I would want it, I will trust. I will trust because He's good and He has good for me. So we anticipate. Anticipation helps to to, to build our resolve to be patient, right? The the second thing that we see... (coughs) is that we should have a patient disposition. A patient disposition. We must develop patience at the heart level. Patience is ultimately something of the heart. It is something about having a a heart that is willing to be patient, a heart that understands and accepts. Look at verse 8. You also, be patient. That's an admonition there. It tells us, be patient. And then it tells us, Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. That's a really interesting phrase. Establish your hearts. So, so, so what do we do? Do we wake up in the morning and we, we, you know, we brush our teeth, we take a shower, we do our hair, not me. Um, we, <laughs> I'm fast. Okay, we get ready, we pray, maybe we read scripture, but then we stop and we say, okay, now I have to establish my heart. Establish your heart. How do we do this? Friends, establishing your heart in patience for for the Lord so that that no matter what the circumstance is today, that you will endure, that you will look forward to tomorrow, that you will trust in Him. It is only done by intentionally trusting in the Gospel. By intentionally recognizing and saying, this is hard, but Jesus is good. It's worth it. Does that make sense? We've, we've talked about this in many different ways. I've, I've showed you how the Psalms do this often. How we can take our suffering, our difficulty, and we can turn it and look at God's attributes and say, I'm so lonely right now. This loss has left me lonely. But you love me and you want a fellowship with me and I can come to you at all time. I shouldn't be lonely. I can pray to you. See how we can take God's attributes and, and meet our needs, our hurts. When you say, this thing is big, I don't, I don't know if I can do it. You look to God and you think of His love. You think of who He is and you say, He's bigger. I can do it. Establish your heart to be patient. When you look at this thing and you say, I'm defeated. There's no way I can do this. It's too much. You look to God. You see His strength for you. You think about the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and you say, I can be, I I can do this. I can have victory here. I'll trust in you. You look to something and you say, this hurts. It has ripped the heart out of me. It has caused me great depression. I don't know if I can go on. Establish your heart. 
Look to God and say, you love me, you care for me, you will sustain me. I will trust in you even through this. Friends, I don't know what it is. But look to Him. Establish your heart. Have an anticipation that He will save you, that He will work in your life, that He loves you. Look to Him. Establish your heart. How do we establish our heart? How do we get better at this? This is, a, this is a, a, an exercise almost, if you would. Okay? That, that, that as we see in our life, I'm depressed. As we see in our life, this hurts. As we see in our life, a, a desire to turn away, to look away, because we don't feel the gospel working. We don't feel the goodness of God. We have to train ourselves intentionally. I want to turn away. No, but I shouldn't. Because God is good. He will save me. I want to serve Him. Establish in your hearts. How, how do we know this better? How do we do this? There's a few ways. And they're simple. Get to know the Lord and His Word. The more you have the Word of God in your heart, the more you understand and comprehend the Word of God, the more it will encourage you to know Him, to love Him, and to keep on keeping on. Fellowship with other believers who can build you up. Fellowship with the Lord in prayer. Be at church where you can be under the teaching of the Word of God. These are all things that can help establish our hearts, that can help us to establish our hearts that, that whether we're going through the day of trouble, we've gone through the day of trouble, or the day of trouble will come, we will stand fast, trusting in the Lord, trusting in His goodness, and ultimately trusting in the return of Christ. So we're to have a patient disposition. We're to intentionally set our hearts. It also says something we are to resist, something we're not to do. And that is, it says to resist grumbling against one another. I love this. We'll look at verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you will not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. They're going through, the, the, the believers that this book is written to are going through a difficult time. I mean, we don't understand the difficulty of it. It says that, that people are being killed. They're being oppressed by the rich and they're, they're actually being murdered. They're being drugged through the courts. They, they can't resist. It says, the, at the end of what we looked at last week, it says that the, the righteous don't even resist you. They can't because the unrighteous are so powerful over them, so it seems. You get in that kind of situation, the pressure gets on. And what do we start to do? If you're not looking to the Lord, if you're not looking to what He will do, you're going to start looking at each other, and I promise you, you're going to be disappointed. If you look at me and expect my sanctification to be complete, you're going to be disappointed. If I looked at you and think that your sanctification should be complete, I'm going to be disappointed. And so we grumble. Instead of being patient, instead of looking to the Lord, instead of keeping our eyes fixed upon Jesus, we start looking at each other, complaining and making ourselves look better. Right? Now think about the things that irk you. It's silly, isn't it? A lot of times, it is ridiculously silly. My wife doesn't do very much that irks me, but there's one thing. She squeezes the toothpaste from the bottom and leaves it. She doesn't roll it up properly. I remind her every time I see it. Sinner. <laughs> but really, 
The things we grumble about, when we're called to be at work together for the Lord, when we're called to be, to, 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 to set our hearts upon Jesus, to be called together to, to serve each other, to be a family, to, to love, to be an army for God. And we sit in the barracks looking at each other, grumbling about things that don't matter. James says here, actually what we're doing is we're judging each other. I'm looking at you and I'm saying, you're not good enough. You don't do this the way that you should. You don't do this the way that I do it. You're not as good as me. Right? That's what we're doing. Jesus said about this same thing. He said, uh, don't judge. If you want to judge somebody, first take the, speck, take, the, take the log out of your eye before you look at the speck in theirs. Don't grumble. Don't sit around. So what James is saying is when difficult times come, we don't need to turn on each other. We need to turn to the Lord. Do you get that? We need to set our hope on Jesus together, not turn around and start nitpicking each other. Do not grumble. We need to develop this kind of a disposition, a disposition where our hearts are set on, on fixing ourselves upon Christ, His love through every circumstance, and resisting the temptation to start grumbling against each other? Do we have a patience that can allow us to look to Christ and, and even say, I know my brother may have sins, I know my brother may have faults, but he who began a good work in me, he who began a good work in you, will complete it. My patience, my hope, is not that you're going to fix yourself. My hope is that God is going to work in your life through the Holy Spirit. Trust in Him. That changes the way you pray for people. That changes the way you work with people. That changes the way you love people. It changes everything, doesn't it? Don't grumble. Set your heart upon Christ, upon His goodness. The third thing that we see here, so, so we've seen <coughs> that we are to develop an anticipation of patience. We see that we a disposition of patience. The third thing that we see is a, a, an imitation of patience. James writes and says, there's others who have gone through difficult times that maybe you should look at and remember their faithfulness. It should encourage you in your faithfulness during difficult seasons. There's two examples that he gives here. The first, if you look at verse 10, is he says that we should, in, we should imitate the prophets of the Old Testament. We should imitate the prophets. Look at verse 10. It says, as an example of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now, now why did he say that? Why, why did he think, think about the prophets? The prophets of the Old Testament, they spoke in the name of the Lord. They were given hard things to say. They were put in positions where they were to go to rulers and say, you will be overruled. They were put in positions where they would go to people who were powerful and say, your power will be taken away from you. They were to go to situations with the people that thought they were righteous and say, you are unrighteous. They were not well liked. Okay? If there was a job application for prophet, Old Testament prophet, none of you would sign up. It's a horrible job. How did they sustain? Because they trusted in the Lord. They were speaking for the Lord and being opposed. 
We just think, Lord, I love you. Why aren't you blessing me like you're blessing everybody else? Why are you letting this bad thing happen? They were actually going, being sent by the Lord. The Lord says, go and say this. And they go and say that. And then they're facing opposition for it. Can you imagine their cries? God, I'm doing what you said. But when we look at them, the example is they remained patient. They spoke for the Lord. They did what the Lord said. And they remained patient. Many of them died. At the hands of their own people sometimes. But they stayed the course. They remained patient because they valued faithfulness and God's reward better than being liked by men. Friends, this this should be... We can't even tell people about Jesus because we're afraid they're not going to like us. prophets Moses goes to Pharaoh says let my people go it's a death sentence and he honors God and we think if if I talk about Jesus to that person he might not like me anymore so I, I, I just won't are you willing to endure difficulty for the sake of Christ I mean Jesus says if you want to be my disciple pick up your cross and follow me In case you were wondering, a cross isn't a a happy, fun thing, okay? Jesus doesn't say, if you want to be my disciple, then then we're going to do the fun stuff and follow me. He says, we're going to do the hard stuff. Are we willing to be like the disciples? Are we willing to be able to, to speak God's truth in difficult situations, trusting that the Lord will make it right? That's convicting right there, isn't it? Second example that we have here is to imitate Job. Imitate Job. And here's the short end of it, just so we remember. Job, Job, it's a really interesting book. The devil is given permission to take everything from Job but his life. And so he does. Everything vanishes immediately from his life, except for his wife, who I think was part of the punishment, it seems. She, she continues to, 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 to tempt him to leave the Lord. And there's, there's one scene, kind of the climax of Job, and he's, he's sitting there and he's, he's got, he's got uh, shards and he's picking boils off of his body. And his wife says, just give up on God. Just, just give up and die. God doesn't love you, Job. And Job responds and he says, he gives and he takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Do you have that kind of patience? Do you have that kind of patience during hard times, during difficult times, not to give up, to stay steadfast and say, he gives and he takes away. I will follow the Lord. I will endure through this. I will trust in him for he is good. He is coming one day. He will set all things right. Job doesn't stop there though. Job says, though he slay me, I will praise Him. I will worship Him. Friends, James says to count all, to count various trials for joy. If we look at the example of Job, there's something that can be said here. When you go through trials, there, are, there, there is an opportunity to worship God 
in a way that you could never do while things are going smoothly? Do you have the resolve? Do you have the patience? Do you have the faith to say, though he slay me, I will worship him. I love him that much. I know that he's good. I know his word. I know he is for me. Whatever it may look like from my perspective, from God's perspective, he is, wor- he is for me and he is working this to his glory. Do you have that faith? Do you have that patience? Can you follow that example? Friends, we live in an impatient time. I, I lost my cell phone a week and a half ago. If you've messaged me, I have no idea what it says. I, I, I find myself in moments where there's nothing going on with this reaction to try to grab my phone. <laughs> like, it's just come to that. I can't stand being in a waiting room. You know, we've got to be on a device. We've got to do something. We've got to be distracted. But spiritually, do we have the patience and the resolve to follow the Lord through whatever trial may come? Do you know and have hope that God will deliver you? In the end, though he slay me, I will worship him. Why? Because I know that he will make all things right and I love him. Do you have that kind of resolve? Do you trust in the gospel to that extent? Are you one that is like the farmer, faithfully going about the business of preparing the land, faithfully anticipating the harvest, knowing that in your daily life and the things that God has called you to do, great and wonderful things will happen no matter what it looks like. No matter how difficult your trial is, keep going, keep trusting for the Lord will return. Do you have the boldness and the faithfulness of the prophets being able to endure whatever God allows to come your way, trusting in in Him, enduring? Do you have the, the faithfulness of Job? No matter what happens in your life, you will trust Him, you will serve Him, you will worship God. Do you have that kind of patience? Or are you quick to say, why me, God? Don't you love me? And I pick on you because I do that. Do we have the patience? Do we, are we establishing our hearts? Are we resisting grumbling against each other? Instead, are we intentionally setting our hearts on God's love to experience His mercy, looking forward to His compassion and His love, knowing that He is good, He has good for me, and I want to follow and know Him. No matter what this season is, no matter what this difficulty is, no matter what will come tomorrow, I will serve and I will follow the Lord. Do you have that resolve? I hope that we would. You know what the problem of patience is? We want it now. <laughs> we want it now. You know, the, the, the true test will come in the end. The true test comes at the end of a believer's life. Some of you have lived long lives in the Lord of faithfulness. And it is a beautiful testimony. Because truly, that's the only way we know. Do we have what it takes to stick through? Do we have that kind of faith? Can we look at our life and say, I've, been, I've seen some stuff and I love the Lord more from it. Do we have that kind of patience? Day by day, set your hearts upon the Lord. Trust in the gospel. We're going to sing a song of invitation. And I want to ask you, 
to respond. Maybe you're going through a trial where you feel like going, giving up and you just need to say a short prayer to the Lord. Help me. I trust you. I anticipate what you're doing. My trust and my hope is in you. I know you are good. Perhaps you're hearing this and saying, I really need to trust in the gospel. I've been around church, but I have not truly trusted in Christ. Would you come and would you place your trust and your hope in Him? Would you start today trusting in Him every day, setting your hope in this gospel, in this good news? Are you willing to say, no matter what happens, I will follow you? That'd be a good prayer for all of us. Commit yourself to the Lord. Commit yourself to pursuing a faith that is patient. Pray with me, Father.